proceeding from the great commission given by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, the early church exploded and countless souls were made new by the atoning work of Christ. Dead hearts were made alive and churches sprouted up throughout the world. As a need for clear and concise biblical interpretation arose, the Reformed Confessions of the Faith were written and still have a major impact on the church today. The Confessional Collective desires to see healthy, theologically sound churches planted and on mission for the Kingdom of Christ. Welcome to the Confessional Collective. Welcome to the Confessional Collective, where truth meets mission. My name is Aaron Carr, and I'm your host, as well as the pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan. The Collective is a band of confessing pastors, planters, and churchmen, and each week we have a confessional brother come share their wisdom and experience. In today's podcast, we have a special guest who needs no introduction, uh, Mr. Les Lanfear. Les, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Now, for some of you who uh, may be living in the Stone Age with uh, no uh, internet access, um, Les is um, on the podcast, Reform Pubcast. How long have you been doing that, Les, with Tanner? Um, close to three years. Three years. Yeah, it'll be three years in October. Now, how did you guys get that started? Was it just like sitting around talking? or I mean, how did you, how'd that come to being? Um, so the, the real origin is that, uh, uh, I, so I, it was because of the TV show Breaking Bad, actually. Um, so yeah, so I, I was really obsessed with the show and then I, uh, was trying to get Tanner to watch it and he just wouldn't, you know, we were, we were just good friends and, um, I, I finally got him to jump on the bandwagon, uh, on the, for the last season. And so, uh, he finally started watching it. And then he got completely obsessed with it. He watched the entire thing in uh, a couple of weeks, and then, um, and then it was right as the the big season finale was happening. The last, you know, uh, I think it was la- last eight episodes. Uh, and as we started doing that, uh, we made this tradition where I would go over to his house, and my, you know, our families would come together, we'd eat, and then we'd watch the new episode of Breaking Bad as it was coming to its finale. Uh, and while we were doing that, we became even more obsessed with the show and we started listening to all these behind the scenes podcasts uh, about Breaking Bad and then uh, there were shows on networks that were connected to Breaking Bad and we started listening to all these same shows and we just like uh, and we we had a history of listening to podcasts a lot but um, it just we started to really get into sort of the more entertainment podcast side of things and we were like man it'd be so much fun to do a podcast and we both were sort of thinking it without talking to each other about it. And then we'd come back together and be like, man, I've been really thinking that I want to do this. Um, so, uh, and then there was this Facebook group called, um, reformed brew and it was run, it was run by Marcus Pittman. And, uh, the day before we recorded our podcast, uh, we were going to call it the reformed brew podcast. Uh, and we went into the reformed brew and we said, Hey, uh, I'm about to record tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to call it the Reform Boot Podcast. You know, what do you guys think? What, what, or what topics should we talk about or something like that? And then Marcus came in and said, uh, you can't use that name. Uh, it's trademarked. We were going to do a podcast for it. Uh, please don't use this name. And uh, Marcus, now uh, we've, we're good friends and um, we both think that story is hilarious. Um, but uh, so he wouldn't mind me saying that. And it was even in that tone, I think. Uh, but uh, so anyways, some I I don't even remember the guy's name anymore, and I apologize if if you know you you hear this, um, but some guy just said, "Why don't you call it the Reformed Pubcast?" And I was like, "I like it." And then the next day we recorded the show. We called it the Reformed Pubcast. The Reformed Pub, the group didn't even exist yet. Um, that we the following week we said, "Hey, we should probably have a Facebook group for this pod this podcast we're starting," and so we started the Reformed Pub as a fan club group for the podcast and you know needless to say the the pub has taken on uh, a life of its own and it's it's its own little entity but uh with but yeah with that's over, where it all started. with over like 12,000 um subscribers right over 12,000 members yep. yeah that's that's incredible in just three years that that is and you got some well-known um subscribers I know R.C. Sproul Jr. is on there yeah um, James White 
Um, and so this thing has been building. It's kind of like a, a, a snowball that just kind of took off, and it, it's just exciting to see. But I want to hear a little bit about your own testimony, the sense of how you came to the Reformed faith that you now have a podcast about. How did you come? <laughs> how did you come? Not just to the doctrines of of Calvinism, but the whole enchilada of of what Reformed theology is. Um, well, so I I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, I was I when I think back on my life before I became a Christian, uh, all all I really think about is like a drug person. Maybe not a drug addict, but I loved you know using drugs and uh, you know. I'd, pothead obviously but um but i was like big into pills and stuff like that um so that's sort of uh what i think about about my life before christ um and i was sort of in this dead end thing in this really small town in pennsylvania and just had no real hope of a future after i graduated from high school and my friend who i grew up with he was a christian he invited me to live with him in state college uh, he was going to school there in uh i'm sorry that's penn state uh, the Penn State campus. So uh, I wasn't going to school. He was, and we just lived there. And I lived like a partier, uh, like a like a college kid, without actually going to school there for a, a while. Um, but we both ended up sort of hitting dead ends while we were there. And somehow he got involved in like I think it was even Campus Crusade for Christ or something. He got really he like the gospel was really reintroduced back into his life. And then he preached the gospel to me. And um, my conversion was very much one of those crazy, dramatic conversions. I, you know, there's legitimacy to all all kinds of conversions, but mine was like the stereotypical, like, like God just bl- like blew my mind and uh, ripped away all of my habits and um, just dramatically changed my life overnight. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, shortly after that, I moved down to Florida. I met my wife. Uh, there was through a, we went to a bunch of weird churches, ended up at a Calvary chapel. Um, and I, that's where I started to sort of get really interested in, I guess, theology, but wanting to maybe become, uh, some kind of minister. So while I was there, um, I was like getting heavily involved in the, the young adults groups and stuff like that. And while that was happening, there was also this big like tension happening with Calvinism inside this church. And, uh, so is this the first time you're hearing of Calvinism? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'd never heard of Calvinism before and it's suddenly sort of springing up. And then the church had to take, uh, you know, Calvary chapels notoriously, um, uh, say that they're 50% Arminian, 50% Calvinist, uh, but they're not. And they also, really don't like Calvinism. Uh, so that's the reality of the situation. And when, uh, when this whole movement was happening, so there was a small like sect within the the church that, uh, became Calvinists and ended up, uh, causing a bunch of tension in the church. And then they were all sort of kicked out. And then that became this big catalyst and everybody had to choose a side. And the staff was being forced to sign, uh, things that say that they don't believe the doctrines of grace, uh, or I'm sure they didn't call them the doctrines of grace. It sounds like a pretty positive thing. Uh, but so, but it, it got just increasingly bad. And, uh, but through that, I was forced to actually look at these things. And at first I was very much opposed to them. And I remember, uh, vividly the, the night that I said to a friend, uh, if God chooses who he'll go, who, who he wants to save, and if he doesn't love everyone equally, I, I want no part of him and I will not worship a God like that, which, yeah. you know, it's like those times in your life is like, man, God is so gracious. Like <laughs> I said, like I just said blasphemous things. Uh, and I even started teaching legitimate heresy. Uh, I remember this also. I was in a young adults meeting, one of these one of these adults, young adults groups, and I started preaching the, the only thing that made sense to me that countered Calvinism properly. And I said that, uh, we all need to understand that we are born tabula rasa. Uh, we are born clean slates. We don't, we do not, we are not stained by sin. We we choose to sin and we can choose to obey Christ. And, uh, so you weren't just an Arminian, you, you were a Pelagian. 
Well, I I didn't know I was a Pelagian at the time, but uh, but I'd heard the arguments, and it just made a lot of sense to me. And the, sure, who and doesn't the, want to be clean, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the the people who were supposed to be picking up on that heresy and immediately pulling me out were applauding me because I was I was fighting the same battle they were, which is getting rid of Calvinism. Um, but anyways, uh, so all that uh, through all that, people like actually that's how I met Tanner. Uh, he was a part of that that young adults group, and he approached me uh, after I was preaching these things and uh, other good friends. Um, and eventually, going through these conversations where they were Calvinists and they were arguing back at me and saying how I was misrepresenting things. And um, ultimately, some uh, one of my friends gave me a Paul Washer <laughs> video uh, after I led some kid in this in a sinner's prayer one night in this like pit- pitiful this pitiful way. It was just. Uh, it was awful. Um, it all hinges on whether he said the words exactly right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I said, I literally said, repeat after me. And he repeated literally every word after I repeated, after I said it. And uh, it's just disgusting. Um, but my my friend who overheard that came up to me and said, hey, you know, like those words didn't save him, right? And I'm like, oh, well, sure they did. Anyways, he sent me a Paul Washer video and it was, uh, you know, I think one of those shocking youth message things. And he was, it was all about regeneration. It was all about the reality that um, you repeating words after somebody says them cannot save you. And it's about God like ripping out your heart and giving you a new heart. And, um, you know, it was just overwhelmingly powerful and true. And it hit me so hard. I remember like this staring at the computer screen with my mouth just hanging open, like what just happened to me? And for like three days, I was like, I like couldn't, I was like so confused and like, uh, I just couldn't like talk about theology or anything. Cause it was just like such a, it just like hit me really hard. Yeah, and yeah. I had to like within a couple of days, I like had to say to my wife, I'm like, I, I think, I think I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> And she knew what that word meant because I was so staunchly against it for such a long time. And she's like, oh, boy, <laughs> like what is going on? Right now? Just, I'm just trying to imagine that avalanche of like a worldview collapse. Yes. And, and this, you know, the, the erecting of a, of, a, of a new worldview. Yes. Yeah. And then I it was really helpful for me. Um, uh, I have a friend. Her name is Rebecca Snyder. Uh, she she was a new Christian. And we didn't really know each other uh, except through Facebook at the time. And she had all these questions. And um, and so I set up a blog. I, the blog was called Killer Robot Ninja. And uh, she would just ask me questions. And then I would um, research and read and do the best I possibly could to come up with a good answer. And then I would write a blog article answering her question and title it, you know, basically whatever her question was. And then I would post it on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And then it started to get sort of a following behind it. And, um, but it was all just literally answering a new, a new, a new believers. In those those days when you were doing that, who were you depending on for your, to be able to answer those questions? What, you know, is there certain theologians? Yeah. So I was listening to, to the dividing line nonstop. I was listening to, um, fighting for the faith nonstop. Uh, and then I stumbled upon, Reform Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Uh, they made all those, all their courses available for free. Praise God, right? Praise God. I had to pay for the education. You got it free. That just <laughs> exactly. doesn't seem right. I literally, my 20-minute my drive to and from work every day was filled with systematic theology and, uh, and church history and it all, it all it was, I can't tell you what a blessing. It was amazing. Uh, so in a very, very short amount of time, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not in a class, you're not taking tests. So maybe the retention isn't exactly the same. But um, for <laughs> talk about redeeming your, you know, your driving time. But uh, so, yeah, so that sort of happened. And I got a little bit of a, a connection on Twitter. I had... Uh, a few thousand people like it was it was sort of this Twitter world in that time, maybe six years ago. Everybody sort of knew each other. Um, uh, the, the serious Calvinists who were coming out of the resurgence, I guess. Um, and they all had their own blogs and all this stuff. 
<clears throat> but uh, I guess ever since Tanner and I started the show about three years ago, uh, we called our we called it the Reformed Pubcast. We were Reformed Baptists, um, and we our second or third episode we had to retract a statement we made on the second one where a caller called in. It was actually one of my friends here in town that called in and asked what we think about the regulative principle of worship. And we said, uh, basically we looked up, we basically like did a Google search on it and it said, (laughs) it said you can't play guitars basically in, you know, so we got this very low understood, you know, even definition of it. And then we just, went on for 15 minutes saying how legalistic the regular principle of worship was. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, someone uh, confronted us, even the, the caller uh, that I know personally talked to me about it. And he's like, I don't think you understand what you're saying. And we we researched, we both were like, apart from each other, we're researching it throughout the week. Like, oh man, like this isn't what we thought it was. And then this is our third episode. We actually had to retract everything we said in the second episode and apologize and say that we're going to, we're going to study this more. That That's um, awesome though, that you're willing to do that. I think too many people want to stick to their guns, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, just defend a position, even a wrong position because they'd rather not say, Hey, I was wrong yet. I think all of us in theology have to admit, Hey, yeah, I've shifted here. I've changed there. And for you guys to do that, um, that, that shows a lot of maturity in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. It, uh, the newest episode of the Pubcast, I just released it today. Um, we had to do it again. <laughs> we had to uh, correct uh, something we said last week. That um, so you're still maturing. Yeah. Still maturing. Yeah. yeah so uh, so right off. So the regular principle, I think, was the biggest thing that Tanner and I both started to be like, oh wow, this this actually is correct, and it changes so much of my thinking. And while I was – so as I've been doing the show, I've also been uh, visiting a Presbyterian church and – Praise um, the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I got to stick that in there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so visiting this Presbyterian church, I think Tanner was also visiting Presbyterian churches. Uh, and um, and I f- absolutely fell in love with this uh, means of grace, uh, regulative – uh, just straight Presbyterian, uh, conservative PCA church. And I was going to, a uh, a CRC church. It was, you know, solid in its own right. Uh, definitely not, not regulative in their worship and, and all that. Uh, so over time I just really fell in love with this church. And then, uh, I had to study baptism a ton and f- figure that stuff out. So, um, but over time I have, become yeah convinced of pedo baptism and i absolutely rejoice in it and love it now so much and uh and yeah so the the journey has just been um tanner and i sitting down drinking a beer talking about theology um going to our churches uh really becoming more serious about what we believe and uh the the role of the church and what it means to worship god that's a that's the biggest thing I think is what what uh, it's, do you ever it, feel the weight of I mean all these all these people listening to your voice and the theology you're espousing I mean I just know as a preacher you know the the amount of time that I spend in study and then I open my mouth and even I go back you know sermons I preached you know ten years ago and I'm like I need to change that you know sure how how do you wrestle with that as as a guy who's you know, God's obviously blessing uh, what you're doing in, in, in a lot of different ways. And we're going to talk about some of them here shortly. But just how do you wrestle with that in the sense of um, the weight and the responsibility? Well, um, part of it in this, I'm going to jump right to the almost cop out part because I, I do think it's important. And it's, I, I like to think it's not a cop out. But um, it was while I was while I was uh, pursuing this, this church that I'm now a member of, uh, I don't think I mentioned that, uh, but the pastor was telling me that he was concerned about the podcast that, that I have. Uh, he, he said he'd listened to some of it and, and he liked it and it was fine. But he said that, um, the, I was essentially, we were claiming 
and authority, not overtly, but just by the nature of speaking on the things that we're speaking on. Um, and we know that people are listening and we're, we're not saying the things as opinions. We're saying them as if they're true. And even when we're right, we we're still, um, it's, it's, it's like overstepping the, the bounds of the authority we should be claiming, especially over these people who have their own pastors and their own churches. Um, so that's, so I, I thought about that a lot and we started just saying, well, we actually, from the beginning, we would, uh, maybe every five episodes we'd say, uh, listen, like this is, we're not your pastors. So especially this question, you know, we'll answer it the best we can, but go talk to your pastor. They're, they're your real authority. And then, uh, as I was thinking about that and I was actually learning a little more like sound design and like sound effects and stuff. And so I, I thought it'd be cool. I asked the pub to send me a bunch of like sound bites of them, um, recording their voice saying this disclaimer that I made. And then I cobbled that all together and, uh, it just, it was just this like really cool, interesting sounding, um, uh, disclaimer made up of a bunch of listeners' voices. And uh, that, for me, is probably one of the most important things we've ever done on the show is is adding that disclaimer at the beginning, which might seem silly. Some people do think that we're just, it's a cop-out so that we can say whatever we want. But I think it's just so very important for people to know who their the authorities in their life actually are and they shouldn't be coming to us to answer theological questions. We are more than happy to talk about them. Uh, sometimes people throw us a question we've never even thought through before, and we just sort of knee-jerk try to try to talk through it, and people just have to understand that we're not ordained. We are no authority over you. We're not your pastors. Um, we're just laymen who are interested in the same sorts of things our audience is, and uh, yeah, so that's that's... I think the most important thing. And, uh, beyond that, uh, I think we just try to be as far as responsibility goes, we just try our best to let people know when we're not sure what we're talking about. Uh, try to avoid answering questions that we would have, that we would completely mess up on. Um, and, uh, yeah, just try to hold people accountable to, to being in church and listening to the pastors and asking their pastors these questions ultimately. Well, I, I appreciate that as a pastor, and I know um, a lot of my parishioners listening to the podcast, and um, at times it's created actually good conversations for me as a pastor with them. Um, number one, I think it sparks some interest. It furthers um, their their theological thinking, and so they'll come back and let's talk about Sabbath, let's talk about regulative principles, stuff like that. And so it's it's I've seen good come out of those those times, those discussions. And so, um, I appreciate, um, what, what you're saying and how you do try to put a disclaimer there that, Hey, we're not your pastors. We're not your authority. And yet in a sense, I, I see what your pastor was saying that just by having a voice out there. And I guess that kind of leads to something that's happened recently, which is this, um, this report that came out, this, uh, attack, if you will. Um, I don't know, um, how much you're willing to talk about all this. I, I know that you and, and, and Tanner like to just pretend um, some of these people that throw these attacks out are just non-existent. And, and I think for good reason, um, because if we always listen to our critics, um, we could never do anything. And there's somebody always criticizing us. So here's a quote from the polemics report Specifically, he gets into attacking the Reformed pub. But before he does that, he's making a argument that if somebody is just a Calvinist, doesn't really mean that they're Reformed, um, because Reformed implies more like covenant theology, confessionalism, the regulative principle. And I agree with him on that. But here's the attack on the Reformed pub. This is what he says. Like their compatriots at the Reformed pub, which is the internet cesspool of Calvinist-flavored immaturity and ungodliness. These men are hardly men, but rather boys giggling about intestinal gas and body parts who cloak theology with lasciviousness. These are children who profess a right dividing of law and gospel, who season their behavior with latent antinomianism. What do you say to that? How do you respond? Um, because I, I do want to hear you respond, and I, I'm sure some of your listeners do want to hear you um, respond to that. 
Um, well, I mean, if anybody who has read that, and many have who are in the pub, uh, they read that, and this isn't the first time uh, this has been said uh, by this uh, very person. Um, it, it's just, it's simply not true. Uh, so, and, and, uh, he's, this individual has been told that it's not true many, 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 many times and just refuses to listen. As a matter of fact, I spoke to this individual on the telephone, uh, after trying to track them down because I couldn't figure out why, um, I was so disliked by them. And, uh, we seem to have a fruitful conversation and it just, uh, that the piece that came of it lasted about two hours, apparently. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, uh, if people have made up in their mind that the that the pub can be nothing more than immaturity and uh, shallow theological conversations, uh, or I guess n- never theological conversations, just about. Um, I guess intestinal uh, gas jokes, and uh, which is just ridiculous. But I mean, I, I, apparently, if you've made that up in your mind, there's no escaping it. It's sort of akin to uh, something else Tanner and I uh, see all the time, um, and it, it it's just when once the label "young, restless, and reformed" has been applied to a person. Apparently, there is absolutely no way to escape it. Uh, we, Tanner and I, are we are uh, both husbands. Uh, we are both uh, uh, fathers, and we are both confessional uh, Presbyterians who uh, are Sabbatarians. We we honor the Lord every Lord's Day, and we uh, we love our families and we practice family worship. And we're very concerned about holiness and uh, discipline for our children and loving our wives like Christ loved the church. Uh, but we're young, restless, and reformed. And we can't – and all we talk about is fart jokes. Uh, that's and, – and, and it doesn't matter what we do. We, we will always be told to grow up and keep reforming. Um, I have grown up. Uh, I have kept reforming. Um, I've reformed uh, in many ways – uh, past, uh, you know, some of these, these critics that, that want to say this stuff. Uh, and that's not to brag about myself. It's just the reality of the situation. And it's, it's sort of a plea to like, like your words are just meaningless. You're, you're just, you, you don't actually have the information. This guy isn't in the pub. Uh, all he sees is spies who come into the pub, literally spying our freedom. Uh, taking screenshots of conversations that happen is there silliness yes there of course there is is there beer drinking it's a pub yes of course there is and and we are completely okay with it and we feel like uh it is it is a god-blessed environment to be in because we don't take ourselves too seriously but i i'll tell you this we do take the lord very very seriously in the reform pub um, the, the pub has its, its, its problems like any group of sinners. Uh, there's no question about it. I'm not saying it's perfect. Um, but I will say, um, <laughs> I've been in a lot of theological Facebook groups and there is nothing like this group that I cannot even believe I'm the one who pressed the create group button to begin with, uh, because it's not what we had in mind when we started it. It has, it, God has made this thing something that we couldn't have even imagined. Um, you know, I, I don't want to to uh, give it too much importance. I don't want to, you know, overstate what I think it is to to the Christian world or anything like that. It's just the best theological Facebook group that I could ever imagine existing. And uh, the admins that we have uh, are are. That's that's the reason it is what it is. We have rules in place. They deal with reverence. They deal with immaturity. They deal with the types of images that can be posted. Um, there, some people say they're far too strict. Some people say that we have no sense of humor, <laughs> and that's the. I mean, I, I guess I won't say it's frustrating because I'm like I don't want to complain about 
this just you know the, the pub is great so i'm not not picking things to complain about but on one on one hand we get people leaving the pub to start their own versions of the pub because we are so immature and then we get people leaving the pub to start their own pub because we are we are we take ourselves far too seriously and we can't take a joke anymore um so it's like like yeah okay we're balanced we we found some kind of balance that and yes people are going to get offended and fall off both ends people are going to push buttons on purpose and break the rules to get banned and then go on their own facebook pages and complain about it um but I don't know. I don't no, know. It's a I, crazy I, Facebook world out there. I appreciate everything you just said, and I can hear the passion in your voice, and I hope the listeners hear the passion in your voice because I think what you're saying is fair, and 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 what you're painting is a picture of, hey, we're trying to walk a tightrope here, and we're trying to be a serious theological group, but at the same time, life has humor, you know? I mean, yeah. after all, I mean, you, know, you look at some of the animals God created, right? I mean, God yeah. has humor. So I get that. Um, if, if you were to say, Hey, with, with everything that's ever been said and all the different criticisms are out there, I'm sure you as the creator and, and as you've sat there and you and Tanner have talked and maybe you and the admins, what parts of the criticism do you think you could say, okay, there's some truth. I get what you're saying. And we're going to try to work on that. Can you, can you help give us some insight to that, those discussions? Um, well, I mean, I think that we we do I mean we do that um and we are always we're all I mean like the rules that have come about are based on things that we've observed or criticisms that have come our way um for example and this is you know something that uh, a a critic would never bring up unless they weren't even trying to be serious but um for example we um you know, we we decided last year that we were going to start closing the pub on Sundays, which is a crazy, crazy idea uh, to take a, a a huge Facebook group that and Facebook groups don't have the ability to turn off a group for a day. Um, so we had to get creative and figure out a way to do it. And the, the sole reason we're doing it is because we uh, we believe that God has uh, given us the authority over this over this uh this entity this this group that can be used and we decided that um for all uh as far as we're concerned we would like uh this thing to to rest so that uh to encourage others to rest um not to say that facebook is a sin or anything like that uh and also so the admins can rest from the work of of uh administrating this this group and that's that's something that we that's something that we did because we felt that that would that that would honor the Lord and um, but we still you know we and then people want to criticize that and say that we're trying to be legalistic and force people to off of Facebook and stuff like that but uh, that's certainly certainly not the intention. What if, um, go ahead. So I mean, as far as there's there's um there I I think probably the most difficult thing uh from day 1 and it's escalated it's it, it gets worse as the as the group grows but it's just the nature of the beast uh and it's uh the it's trying to force people to be nice to each other uh which that that's not what the critics again that's not what the critics bring up that's the actual problems um it, it it is things that get get brought up to us because uh, actually the people who are using the group, not the outsider who judges from afar, uh, if I can borrow a term, uh, not not that guy, but the guy who's actually in the group. Um, their biggest complaint isn't that uh, there's too many fart jokes and that uh, you know you guys don't take the Lord seriously enough. No, there's is. This guy's being mean to me. <laughs> How can you can you please make this guy stop being mean to me or get him out of the group? Um, and that is that's the real thing. That's the real thing that the admins are really dealing with. All this other stuff is is a secondary. Like like it is so, some weeks uh, there's more pictures of beer. Uh, some weeks the baptism debates are getting fierier than others. Um, and yeah, it's just for us. It's just a matter of trying to 
get these people who are supposed to be loving each other, uh, who are on the same page on so many things. But isn't that the bad rap of, of all reformed people? I mean, the, the, the cage right, Calvinist mentality, we're angry, we're, we're mean, we're, we're hostile. And I remember being in seminary and uh, Bob Kara saying, um, you know, winsomely reformed fellows, winsomely reformed. And I remember really thinking about that is we do, we do have a PR problem just, just by the very name Calvinist or just by the very name reformed is yeah. people already uh, are ready to assume we're antagonistic. Uh, we're angry. Um, it, we're, you know, and, and here you got a whole, a whole pub full 12,000 caged lions ready to roll. And <laughs> so that, that work in of itself is at times I'm sure daunting, but but I'd love to hear some of the success stories of of victories of ways in which you've seen the pub advance the kingdom, um, be used for God's glory. Can you share some of those? So at, at first, when the pub started to get a little you know popular, um, maybe like two thousand people or something, um, I felt like the most important thing that this group is doing is um, letting people let their hair down and, and have a good time and be able to, uh, in a comfortable environment, talk about theological things. And, uh, and some, and then as time went on, bigger personalities start popping up, maybe not even well-known people, people who are now well-known just because they, (laughs) they, uh, are smart guys who talk a lot in the pub about smart things. Um, and, uh, as the culture has grown, uh, th- then I started to, to sort of think, uh, okay, so this thing's big, but it's also not impactful, uh, because it's just a bunch of people arguing. And when people are just arguing, you're not getting anywhere. And so that was sort of my feeling of it for a while. It's like, like every once in a while, I would literally just imagine myself, uh, closing the group, which, uh, th- this is, this is what I've researched. <laughs> Let me play this out for you. Uh, Apparently, in order to delete a Facebook group, you have to um, you have to literally delete every member one by one. You have to remove them from the group, and then you remove all the admins, and then the last person you remove is yourself, and wow. then the, then the Facebook group disappears. And that scenario has played out in my mind uh, a few times. Uh, not recent. Not recent. That would be like a full week's job. Just it would going, be. Yeah, yeah. It would be. Uh, I'd have to get a programmer on it or something to figure out a way to to Speed uh, make up. the process go faster. Uh, but anyways, uh, I, I have no intentions of of removing the pub. Don't be don't be scared, guys. Um, but uh, my current view uh, is very much positive uh, because every time it's, it seems like people don't really volunteer the information very often. But whenever I'm like actually having a conversation with somebody, they'll they'll like you know say you know, whatever their, their thing. And then, uh, they'll end it by like, oh, and, and I forgot to mention, uh, the pub has changed everything from me theologically. And I'm now actually confessionally reformed and I'm going to a confessional church. And, uh, sometimes every once in a while I met my wife, uh, you know, like, uh, and people are actually being impacted by this, which can go both ways again. Um, there's a danger, a potential danger to that, uh, because like anything, there's trends and there's, uh, people being convinced of things simply because it's popular. It happens. Uh, we, Tanner and I always encourage people to never come to a theological conclusion based on a conversation you had in the pub. Uh, let your theological convictions, if anything, come from conversations with, uh, your pastor and uh, your church, like one-on-one human beings who uh, who care about you and uh, see the actual needs in your life and uh, stuff like that. <clears throat> but uh, there's just this huge benefit. So it turns out all that arguing um, that I thought was fruitless and just uh, just people being angry with each other has changed innumerable innumerable lives. Uh, to take God more seriously. I can't tell you how many people have, uh, have saw how stupid it was that we closed the pub on Sunday. And now, you know, uh, within a year later, they're practicing Sabbatarians because they actually looked into it. 
the second commandment. Um, but that's another thing that people hated the fact that we uh, wouldn't allow that. Even me, I, I just succumbed to, I just bowed to the rule. I said, okay, people are offended by pictures of Jesus in the pub. Let's just turn them off. I have no problem with them, but let's just say it's not okay. Cause that, it's just not a battle I want to fight. And, uh, as <laughs> now, every time I visit another Facebook group and I see a picture of Jesus, I'm like, Oh, I'm not in the pub because that is that is horribly offensive to me right now. Yeah, so those those that is some that's some awesome testimony of God's fruit from the pub, and I'm just I'm I'm I appreciate you. I appreciate your heart. I thank you for for willingness to talk about what you know. Nobody likes to talk about their critics. Nobody likes to talk about the things that are being said. But I just felt you couldn't have you on this week, especially, and all of that blogosphere about uh the critics and what's being said about the pub and ignore well, it let me let me well let me say this uh the reason uh, uh I, I know you said uh that we don't like to uh we would like we like to pretend these people don't exist uh and you, you said that because i mentioned that to you um but uh it's not because i don't want to face my critics i'm more than happy to face my critics uh and i and i actually i want to because i because very very often i am wrong and i need to be corrected uh, and I will say there's a tone that, that's, a, that's, there's a better approach than, uh, than some of the ways that people decide to go about these things. I mean, let's be honest. If you scream at somebody that you've never met and you're completely rude with them before you've approached them and actually uh, talked to them as, as if, as if you actually want them to live another day, as opposed to just dropping off the face of the earth because they, uh, they've ruined your comfortable little Calvinism world or apparently, um, and you make me feel hated, I'm probably not going to listen to you. But, um, but the reason, um, the, the real reason I want to pretend some of these guys don't exist or do pretend they don't exist is because they are attention hogs and they, they write these things in order to get attention because that's, that's, they can't live without conflict that, and it's, it's a despicable, uh, uh, thing to to be live the despicable way to be living your life, and uh, that's not to say that I want you to drop off the planet. I would just really like it if you could find some grace in the way that you live and uh, be peace, be at peace with other Christians, and uh, stop stop repenting every three months for how ungracious you are in the world, and then just keep repeating the same things over again. Because uh, everybody remembers what you said when you said you're going to stop. So that's all I'll say. No, that's well said. And with that, we're going to take a break and hear an upcoming commercial about doctrine and devotion with our good friend Joe Thorne and Jimmy Fowler. I hope you'll turn into yeah, a yeah, new welcome podcast. to Happy Rant. This, no, that's that's a totally different thing. No, Happy Rant's killing it. Let's do it. Yeah, that. no, we're doing Doctrine and Devotion. Doctrine and Devotion? Doctrine, it's our new podcast. Apologia? No, no, Doctrine and Devotion. All right, Doctrine and Devotion. It's you and me, Jimmy Fofo and Joe Thorne. We're Joe talking, freaking Thorne. We're talking about theology. Theology. Bible. Bible. Christian life. Cigars. Sometimes we'll do that too. Now, it's not out yet, but not uh, yet. people can sign up, right? So why are we doing this now? Because we were told we could do a promo. Oh, all right, so we're going to say, um, go to DoctrineAndDevotion.com. Wait, you need the www in front of that. No, you don't. They, know, yeah, you they figured it out. Doctrine, they, they know it. DoctrineAndDevotion.com. Go there, sign up. You'll get all the updates. And uh, when is it going to launch? It's going to launch Monday, July 11th. All right. All right, well, we'll see you guys then. See you. We're back, and we have with us Les from the Reformed Pubcast, and Les has got a new project underway. Um, hopefully, you have already supported it. I have, and we want to make sure this thing has enough money to do, do everything that God is putting into Les's mind. The Calvinist um, is, is, a, is a movie. It's a documentary. And you got some important names here listed as people that are going to be involved in it. Michael Horton, uh, James White, uh, R. Scott Clark, Joe Thorne, just to name a few. And I want to kind of hear your vision of this thing. Um, kind of take us, uh, take us from how it all kind of came from a conceptual thought to what now looks to be, it's going to be reality. Yeah, it's going to be a reality. That is a, uh, that's a terrifying reality that just set in over the past couple days and is, uh, is consuming my mind. Um, so 
initially, I wanted to write. I, I decided I wanted to write a book. Uh, I don't know how how well it would go or whatever. And then I started sort of exploring options on how that would go, and started asking people if they've ever written books. And somebody mentioned um, that their husband wrote a book, and uh, he made a documentary that went along with the book. And it's it's so obvious, but. I didn't even I never even considered it and when I read that comment it all just sort of like like meshed together because I have worked in the film industry I am a graphic designer uh I love calvinism uh I I'm visually minded and it all just sort of like came together and I was like oh I should make a movie that's a really cool idea and then people you know told me that uh I'd probably make more money if I wrote a book, uh, which, you know, maybe I'll write a book one day. I don't know. Uh, but so I decided I want to do this and I have, I have good friends who've, uh, who've made documentaries. So I started sort of talking to them and, um, asking what their thoughts are and they were all really, really excited about it. Um, I won't tell you the, ini- the uh, initial name. It was uh, a pretty aggressive title that I was going to go for. Uh, originally, and the concept has evolved through really good conversations with people. Uh, actually, probably the most influential person that really made me change my mind and and go in th- the direction of this film is uh, Jeff Landon from Mission Aware. Um, I called him and sort of pitched the idea to him, and he sort of talked me down off the ledge of this other crazy idea I had. And after that conversation, I was like, no, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate this movement. Uh, though there, I want there to be some some correctives. I want there to be some uh, some encouragement to go in a direction that a lot of people maybe aren't currently thinking they should be going in. But uh, I want this to be uh, a joy for reformed people to watch. And a lot of uh, I heard uh, Barnabas Piper on his podcast. I heard it yesterday. It released. Uh, they they brought up the Kickstarter and they were talking about the movie and um and Barnabas Piper had some really negative feelings about it uh, because he said that only Calvinists are going to watch it and they'll be a little more Calvinist by the end and there's just it's it's an insider movie and it's not going to reach anyone um and I think and that's a fair criticism uh, I don't. Hopefully, hopefully there'll be people outside the, the reform camp that, that watch it. But the reality is uh, the purpose of this movie uh, is to reach Calvinists. I want Calvinists to watch this movie. I want them to be encouraged and see that there's uh, – that the, the, the sort of the – I want to explore the scope of how beautiful this movement was uh, – has been over the past decade of this resurgence of reform theology – and then I want them to seriously consider moving toward reformed worship, uh, not just putting their tulip in their pocket and going back to their non-denominational church. I, I, I want them to realize that, that the five points aren't enough. There's more to this, and uh, the, the five points of Calvinism should be leading you to worship God differently. And that's my ultimate point. So Barnabas Piper's right. Uh, it is going to reach Calvinists, and I have something I want to say to them. Now, now your goal is, there's three E's here, to explain it, explain what a Calvinist is. And you're going to kind of do a historical look at um, Calvinism and maybe Calvin himself, but the bulk of it is going to be more modern-day um, Calvinist, correct? Yeah. Um, so the, the story isn't about... Uh, history so much it's it's about this movement uh, but uh, the movement is based in history and so I want I, I want to sort of look at uh, the roots of where this whole thing came from and uh, talk to people who came through this I, I, was, I think it, it's gonna be a very interesting uh, thing to see uh, all these similar stories of people who who kind of came to understand uh, Reformed theology and how sort of uh, mind-blowing it was uh, all at the same time. It's, it's just, just a powerful movement of God. Um, and and yeah, so I have uh, 
I, I want to talk to, I already have a, a Calvinist or a Calvin historian in mind that uh, I even want to ask him like, you know, what he thinks John Calvin would think of this, this modern movement as we're talking about the history of it. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about getting into the historical aspects and sort of, uh, sort of letting it clash with the modern uh, rendition and what's good about it, what's bad about it. Sure. And so, so there's the explain it, then we t- just talked about the e- explore it, and then the encourage, your, your hope is to encourage Calvinists. And you kind of alluded to that already, that it's more robust than just the five points, the, the putting the tulip in your pocket. It's, it's reformed worship. It's, there's, there's a lot more to truly being a, a, a faithful uh, Calvinist. And is there anything else I missed there on the, what you hope to encourage? Uh, no, that's, that's right. I want to, I want, I mean, essentially you could boil it down to saying, uh, keep reforming, but, um, I have a, a pretty, a pretty specific, uh, meaning to what that means in my mind. Uh, and not to make people worry too much. Like the, the point of the movie isn't to make someone a Presbyterian necessarily, or to, uh, change their mind about baptism. The movie's not going to talk about baptism or anything like that, but, um, uh, confessionalism, I think, is very important. The regulative principle of worship, I think, is very important. And if people, uh, just like what happened with me, I think if people can start to really consider the importance of the regulative principle and what worship actually is, um, because that's uh, honestly, uh, I think that one of the biggest blind spots in uh, in the modern church, even people who take doctrine seriously, uh, and it was for me until actually very, very recently, is we don't even know what the word worship means. Like we just we just don't know. We might be Calvinists, we might be going to church every Sunday, we and but we don't we don't know what worship is. And I think that if if people can start to actually figure out what it means to worship God, uh, that's going to change a lot. It's going to change everything. And the amazing thing is through this, through this, just, just since you've launched the, the opportunity for people to support it, you've lost your mind over four times. I've lost my mind four times four. in a row. Yep. Four days in a row. <laughs> four days in a row. Fully funded in, in four days. I mean, that's in three, fully funded in three, fully funded in three. Correct me there. That's, that's staggering to think about. That's just, I think the support for it is, is just I'm excited about it. I'm excited that that many people have gotten behind it and want to see this thing become a reality. Um, yet it's funny. I, I saw you attach one of your critics. He he called it the doctrine of the devil, and uh, that that was kind of funny to me. That yes, that is going to be the uh, the attack of some from who are outside the reform camp. That here you're just promoting a devilish doctrine. Um, but but the good news is that there is real support. There's real. Uh, there's a lot of people that probably are just excited to see this thing get done. Yeah, uh, completely. Uh, I so I mean, you know. So again, I, I have the pub. I I know um, there is a certain amount of people who would support something like this. I knew that you know going into it, uh, but I didn't have. Uh, confidence. Basically, basically, I just didn't have confidence that people would take me seriously enough. Um, so, uh, so I was actually going to ask for much, much less because I, I just wanted to get the goal met. But, um, but it, I, I, I was trying to be realistic, and you know, there's no way this movie can even get made for this much, and I would be losing out on money and hoping that somebody along the line would just make some big investment. So, I, I basically, I made the absolute tightest budget I possibly could to make the movie. And I said, all right, well, if, if the Lord blesses this, then, then that means I'll, I'll do it. Uh, so that's what I put up. And, uh, but the reality is, and especially as I see the, the enthusiasm behind it, like now the pressure's on and I really want to make the best movie I possibly can. People have already given over 10,000 or uh, almost $10,000 more than I asked for. And I can't tell you how how honored I am that that's true. Uh, so all I'll say is uh, is the, the the movie that that I'm starting to really really want to make uh, is going to cost at least this. Uh, it's going to cost more, 
and I don't want to be greedy. I'm trying to walk this weird line right now. Like I'm so blown away by the support that people have given me. Um, but there's still 24 days left on this 30 day, uh, fundraiser. And, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to be selfless or, uh, I'm going to be shameless for, for the, the, re- the remainder of this month. I'm going to be, uh, looking really annoying to people. I'm going to be, uh, asking for money. If, if, if I'm, if you see me asking for money and you don't have the money to give, please don't feel the least bit guilty. I'm not trying to bankrupt anybody. Um, but I, I just, I'm starting to get a really cool vision for something that I think could be useful. I think it could be a blessing to the church. And, uh, so, uh, at the end of the day, like my wife keeps reminding me, uh, I can't tell you how anxiety, uh, inducing doing a Kickstarter is, especially one that is sort of successful. Uh, I don't know, like the, I've, it's kind of horrible. Uh, I wouldn't recommend this to somebody who has high, high blood pressure or something like this is, this is rough, but, um, but the bottom line is the, the more money the project raises, the better the movie will be. So, uh, if this sounds interesting to you, uh, don't, don't think that, well, since it's funded, uh, there's nothing more to be done. Uh, if this sounds like something that, uh, that you'd like to see, if you think it sounds like it has potential, um, it, it, the more money it raises, the better it will be. I promise you the better it will be. So that's my, I I gotta ask, how were you able to get all the different people already that I mentioned earlier? You know, one of my favorites, Michael Horton, how, how were you able to get these guys all assembled together so quickly to say, yes, we're on board? The pubcast. And that's, it was just straight through the pubcast. And and well, it's, it's because, because, uh, all of these guys, uh, Vody Bauckham is, uh, is connected too, but he, he's never been on the show, but he's been literally moments away from being on the show multiple times. And for some reason, like his internet connection will go down like right before we record, uh, this happened multiple times. So, uh, the Lord just doesn't want Vody on the show yet. Uh, but anyways, uh, I've over the course of doing the show, we've had almost all these guys, on the show or at least connections with them. Um, and they've all, you know, liked what we're doing or been willing to come on. I guess that was my point is the fact that the support they're lending to be part of this has to say something of be a piece of encouragement to you that they're willing to be part of this, you know, uh, this documentary. Yeah. Which is such an honor. Yeah. I can't tell you how, 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 uh, crazy. I mean, cause again, uh, Tanner and I are just, two dummies who liked breaking bad who uh who wanted to start a podcast because we thought calvinism was fun and we liked and we liked craft beer uh, it's a dirty job but someone's got to do it and, and look what god's done with it already so yeah, i i gotta ask this question and, and i hope you answer it right so who's your favorite old dead guy I, I know I'm supposed to say Calvin. That's right. You're supposed to. You can't make, <laughs> you can't make a movie about Calvinist and not be Calvin, but I'll let you answer that question. Uh, well, it's it's another Calvinist, uh, and I think for me it's Bavink right now because Bavink made me a Pedo-Baptist, and uh, what, as I was working through the issue, I was reading a lot of Reformed Dogmatics from his, uh, like the big, the big one, the four-part. Uh, book series or his uh, four volume set and I just have fallen in love with his writing and uh, his way of teaching and his way of um, of representing the people he disagrees with he always has a way of um, finding positive things in the people he disagrees with while also uh, showing their errors and uh, yeah Bavink is is amazing so I'll agree with you I'll let you off the hook there because I agree with you he his four volume set has just been such a rich treasure treasure trove for me, and going in and digging digging in, and so you're okay with that one. I think I think <laughs> even Calvin would smile. Uh, so you're, well, you're we were at we were at ReformCon uh, last month. Uh, yeah, the beginning of June, um, and Apologia is doing going through the four volume set uh, through with all their. Um, uh, I guess they're leadership people, 
uh, and they're all Baptists at Apologia. And I was like, man, when you guys get to the the section on the uh, covenant of grace, uh, watch out because I can't, <laughs> I cannot imagine getting through the section Bob Inc.'s covenant of grace and uh, and still being a Baptist. An- another avalanche. Of, yeah, uh, another worldview, avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Les, uh, thank you so much for your time. I it has been a great privilege to be able to interview you. Um, you're usually on the other side of the mic, and I sure. really wanted to get uh, Calvinist out there. Um, if you can support it, please do. Um, I think that this is going to be a great film in the sense of just helping people understand what Calvinists are and ultimately the movement, what it has been and what it's, what it is now, and obviously the encouragement to see that being a Calvinist is much more than just uh, the five points of Calvinism. So. Uh, Again, Les, thank you, and we'll catch you all next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Confessional Collective Podcast. For more information and resources, please visit confessionalcollective.com and be sure to like our Facebook.